Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the EG Property Podcast with me, EG Editor Sam McClary. As London returns to its pre-pandemic bustle, under the surface lies a changed city. The experience of the past 18 months and the increasing importance of sustainability and work-life balance has led to a fundamental rethinking of the office and workspaces more generally. Or has it? In this episode, I'm in discussion with Matt Flood, Head of Occupier Markets at Lansec, Mark Shepherd, a partner at DWF, and James Shannon, Chief Product and Technology Officer at Essences, to uncover more about what the role of the office really is now. We ask what it is that is most important to occupiers and how technology and collaboration can ensure that London remains a resilient city. Listen in to find out. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the EG Property Podcast. Very special because, one, we are actually here in a room together, um, which has been a long time coming. And very special, too, because we are live recording from uh, the London Real Estate Forum at the Barbican um, today. And I'm very, very pleased um, that I am joined um, by three experts who are going to help us Um, delve a little bit into what the role of the post-pandemic office is. And we've got about 30 minutes to uh, solve that question, so it's going to be fine. Um, But before we dig into into how um, the role of the office has changed, I'm going to assume there's a change there, I'm going to ask each of um, my guests today to introduce themselves and give us a little bit of a a one or two liner on, on where they see um the office going in the future and i'm going to throw first to you matt great well thanks for having me and great to be here uh, so i'm matt flood from lansec um so i look after kind of design strategy uh, and evolution of our office space across the portfolio um and my two liner would be i think it's a really exciting moment i think our sector has been permanently disrupted but with that comes a really great opportunity for us to do more uh, and offer more as an industry Thank you, Matt. James, welcome. Thank you very much for having me too. Uh, my name is James Shannon. I'm Chief Product and Technology Officer at Ascensus. Uh, and we're the market-leading provider of uh, office-based flex technology uh, to flex workspaces, landlords, buildings, and so on. And for me, um, it's all about the transition to productive space uh, rather than empty space. Mm. Uh, and that's all about flexibility. It's all about empowering uh, enterprise customers and their staff to work from anywhere in this new world um, and all the challenges that come with it. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And last but by no means least, Mark. Uh, yeah, I'm Mark Shepherd, a partner in the real estate department at DWF. Um, I think in terms of my thoughts as to what the future holds for officers, I think agility is probably the word that I would use that slightly moving on from the word flexible to agility, allowing people to be more flexible about um, where they operate and also how that space uh, allows for that operation fantastic thank you so i've written down three three points here which i think will form a great um great discussion and and the first being that the sector has been permanently disrupt disrupted and that word permanently i think is really important here and and let's dig a little bit more into into what that means how has it been disrupted and why why is it permanent matt i think it's permanent because it it's underpinned by shifts in kind of fundamental demographics and human behaviour that come out of it. Um, and 
in our own business, we had something similar to, you know, in the retail side where you saw the rise of e-commerce and how that fundamentally changed the business model and the physical role uh, of retail space. And I think there's certainly some learnings we can take there into the office sector and recognize that it is a change in how people consume, use, and want to partner on office space. Um, and I don't think we're going to go back to how things were, but equally, I don't think there is a new normal that we can all suddenly hang our hat on and say, right, this is what we're now focused on and how we deliver. I think, um, as, as the guys have said, it's around agility, flexibility, and being far more responsive and recognizing that disruption takes different shapes for different businesses, different people within those businesses. Yeah, fantastic. And, and James, what's the role of, of technology, I suppose, in, in that disruption? That's a big question. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, no short answer. But um, I think uh, te technology is what powers, you know, to, to Mark's point, agility, um, flexibility. And, and that, we're not just talking about you know, the ability to deliver a, a flexible office, but, but flexible commercial terms, uh, a flexible building, a flexible landlord, the ability to react to the changing market. Because it's, as we say, it's a permanent change, but we, none of us can predict exactly how it's going to play out. So I think the ability to, to be agile and to react um, you know, to market demands and to one's customers' demands uh, is where technology plays a part to, to, to be the enabler to that. Fantastic, thank you. And and Mark, for 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 you, is that permanent disruption the the need to be able to move and flex and and work as individuals need to work? Uh, and I and I think it's interesting just to go back to the the word permanent because I think we are not in a permanent position. We are in a permanent change from the <laughs> from what was in the past, but we're still in a transition period whilst people get back to what is everyone's calling a new normal. Um, Nobody knows yet what exactly the new normal is. People are anticipating what it might be, but there isn't, <clears throat> there isn't really a, a current situation where everyone could say in a year's time we're going to be in this position. It's very much trans transitory. Um, and I think in terms of, of moving that into um, how things will be with the technology, it, it's all about how we can make things work for the people. I think a lot of it is employees and what they need rather than the employers and what they want to have their workers do. Um, and it's going to become more and more, I think, in the short term, a occupier in the sense of a body on a seat-led demand rather than an occupier in the sense of a company employing people and, and leasing space. And that it that that really is a big shift, isn't it? The focus on the em employee and on individuals. And I know when we were talking before we um, pressed the record button, we you know we we're talking about how we'll do this conversation and being human and the the focus on the needs of humans. Um, and when we take that down to a an occupier need, is that um, I'm going to pick on you, um, Matt, as a as a, a quote unquote landlord. Um, um, is, is that something that you think property owners are, are getting better at? Because I know we've seen, a, particularly in retail, we've seen a gulf mm. opening up between property owner and, and user. Is, mm. is that different in the world of offices? I think it can be, but I think it's, it's crucial now to be alive to that and recognise how we need to listen more, make that switch to a customer mindset rather than a landlord and tenant, and genuinely position ourselves as, as partners rather than you know, an arm's length transaction. I think we need to move from very much, you know, a one-off deal uh, and you kind of move on to the next to a far more, you know, technology type language where you're offering solutions and partnerships over the longer term, which can evolve and flex. So 
in an ideal world, your footprint can move with your business. Mm. Whereas before, you're having to make a static decision about your footprint and your business kind of evolves around that. So I think it's how can we deliver things which are far more responsive and get better at listening? I think that's crucial for our industry and be driven by the customer rather than necessarily the investment value market. And I think that probably needs a slight rebalancing in terms of what's driving those decisions. Yeah, yeah. James, you're nodding along there. Absolutely, because I think we touched on a couple of things um, which are really pertinent. And, and, and one of those is, is, is how imp- we're not the only industry, we're not the only um, actors in that industry undergoing change and, and a transitory sort of effect. It's the enterprise customers reacting to their, what their employees are asking for uh, in, in a more, much more competitive market to recruit talent, to retain talent. Uh, and so I think we're going to go through multiple iterations of this. And, and also, there's not going to be a one-size-fits-all. There's going to be some enterprise customers that want everyone in five days a week. There are going to be some that are going to offer 100% remote. And there are going to be a variety in between that offer everything from distributed to, to, to more you know, centralized working. Um, and so, so this flexibility goes beyond uh, you know, j- just a solution uh, from a technology platform perspective. It's the ability for each customer, each landlord, each flex operator, whoever the actor might be, uh, to be able to offer their customers the ability to configure and tailor the environment uh, to be a productive environment for their particular company and their particular staff and, 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 and as they figure out how they're going to navigate their way through this, this, this new normal. And, and how possible is that for an industry that is, is maybe not known for flexibility or, and another F word, I guess, fluidity, <laughs> isn't it, of, of space and place? Um, well, I think there's a couple of factors that come out of that requirement for flexibility, most occupying companies, most people who occupy a lot of space are currently looking at obviously their their portfolio and whether it, it is going to be needed in the future, but because of historic um, nature of leasing, most people don't get an opportunity to simply say, well, in a year's time, we want to do something different. So there's going to have to be an engagement with um, landlords and um, providers of space. And whether that discussion is a in five years time I'm able to exit my lease and therefore I will do if you don't do something Um, or whether that's a discussion from sensible landlords discussing now with their tenants well actually we will be flexible and I think there will be a flexibility from from the providers of space and a lot of that is probably going to be around we'll probably come on to talk about innovation and, and technology but a lot of it will be around the simple fact is now people are not working in the same way whether they're in the office or whether they're at home, everyone is now on Teams calls. Mm. Whereas before the pandemic, I don't think I had a single Teams call. And if you had a video conference, you went to a particular uh, meeting room in your in your office space. And now everyone, you can't have a telephone conversation. And so the, the, the requirement on adaption of space to cater for that is something that will clearly need to be addressed. But landlords will naturally because they'll have to be self-interested enough to 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 attract people going forward and it may be that there's less office space now and more collaboration space but also it it's a factor of it needs to not necessarily be one-on-one collaborative space you need more individual breakout space and for example where people can go and have their teams calls in a private space where you can have a proper teams call matt you're you're nodding yeah, I mean, it's great, and it echoes a lot of what we're hearing from people across our portfolios that kind of grapple with these strategic challenges. Um, and I think I, I love the analogy where the office space and what we provide as the building is like a stage, and you focus on the fundamentals of volume, light, fresh air, 
and then the occupier can come in and change the set as they need over time, but the stage is still valid and still provides the structure and the frame that they need to be able to do that. So I think that's the physical flexibility. And then the commercial flexibility, I think, comes through, um, you know, as you said, around lease flexibility around different products, so whether it's a flexible office providing you know, within the building. So we've launched Myo because we want to be a single supplier, so people can come to us, they can take a long-term lease, they can then have that flex and pressure valve to grow and use more meanwhile space. So I think it's trying to combine that physical and commercial flexibility. And I think that means you will then be able to convince people to make those long-term investments still, because I think there still will be people wanting to make those statements and secure a long-term HQ that reflects their brand and, and the talent agenda, but they just need to um, address the flexibility in a different way and, and have the means to do that. So we've talked about actors, and we've talked about a, a stage and a, a set. What, can, can London, can the UK be, I guess, the, the blockbuster of... Um, uh, to, to try and squeeze as much as we can out of that analogy to be the blockbuster when it comes to you know really showcasing that it can create places that are serving the occupier that are being flexible and i'm sure in a second we're going to get on to are being sust sustainable um uh, james are, are you confident that we can do that yes i think so uh, i mean i think it comes down to you know core acts of strategies, you know, what the customer is asking for, how, how landlords and, and, and operators react to that. Um, I, I think we're going to see a much more hybrid world going forward of, of, you know, as we talked about, HQ space still being a part of that, but probably not the, the whole picture. Mm. Uh, and that, of course, creates demand around transitioning between flex spaces and, and traditional HQ space, or maybe even within the same building, where, where a landlord has maybe contracted HQ space for a, for a traditional tenant, but then there's, there's, there's this additional flex space to, to, to expand and contract into as, as market demands or as, as recruitment and uh, so on demands. So I think we're, there's also going to be more pressure from a technology perspective on, on, on getting away from this sort of monolithic approach to a, a turnstile and a door and an elevator to more of a, a seamless experience uh, between multiple spaces, whether that's multiple buildings or whether it's different spaces within the same building. Because I think um, expectations are, are rising rapidly in terms of um, what a productive space looks like. And that's all about being able to move in within the space, interact with the space, and interact with the technology in a very productive way that doesn't get in the way of my day to get things done. Because I think when people are coming into cities now, uh, uh, there has to be a reason to come into the city now. It's not just to come and sit at a desk. It has to, it has to be to collaborate or to, uh, you know, to, to meet or, or, or to, to get some extra value out of that. And we have to create the spaces and the experiences and the seamless transitions between spaces that enable that. And how accessible is that to you know every business that's operating across London, every building that is is uh, still standing uh, across London? Because is it, is this something that is open to to everyone? Can everyone make an office a collaborative space? I, I think so. I mean, if, you know, it's always easier for a green field than than obviously an established space that's already had investment and so on. But there's always things you can do. I mean, as, as we've seen already, spaces are already being transformed from traditional office and meeting room and co video conference room spaces to allowing more mixed mode. You know, even in our office, we see a lot of people on, on Zoom and Teams now, um, that either one-on-one -on -one or hybrid, some remote, some local. So the pressure on space and, and, and flexible and collaborative space is, is, is growing rapidly, and, and everyone has to react to that. Otherwise, people won't come in to collaborate. And let, let's, let's move on to another occupier need that I know we're all hearing a lot, a lot about um, at the moment, which is um, around the, the EES and the G, and I guess... Um, 
predominantly the the e envir- environmental or s- sustainability if we want to still the still the s so how how important is that going to be in the role of offices um as we come out of this pandemic and hopefully come out of it in in a in a better more positive way i think inevitably before before the pandemic probably that was the the major major driving point for the nature of what was happening with office space what was happening with with development generally um and i think coming out of the pandemic the it has been taken over by obviously the need to adapt generally but in the back of everyone's minds is there is going to have to be changes to the, the nature of how we work and how we go about um preserving the environment and i think a lot of that is probably more aimed at, at newer developments and newer buildings and less around adapting current buildings because probably the current hard to adapt buildings are going to be taken over by other other means and they're going to have to be redeveloped or something along those lines in order to make them function better as for, for other reasons not just as we talked about in terms of it's harder to mm-hmm. adapt a certain building but it's also harder to adapt a certain building if it falls before below um, efficiency levels uh, and therefore you may get more more development than you would have seen otherwise being forced through and always as a part of that a, a big feature both marketing and generally is running costs is sustainability of that building thank you M- matt is when the conversations that you're having with occupiers it, is sustainability high up there on the agenda or is it or is flexibility the the, the first thing they're looking for I think it's flexibility uh, at the moment, um, but sustainability is undoubtedly kind of ramping up. Um, and I think it's just really been reinforced by the pandemic rather than threatened by the pandemic, I think, in terms of the, the momentum behind that. Um, and I think I'm, I'm fiercely passionate about this. I think it will be the thing that defines our industry over the next few years. Um, I think there's been a lot of talk about the flight to quality and that's kind of become the, the cliche of the last couple of years in the market. I think that will transition to a flight from carbon, to be honest, I think as soon as people start to wake up and realise the effect their office space can have on their own footprint and the mm-hmm. role it plays, um, I think you're really going to see that become the true bifurcation of the market. Um, and I think that I think that's a that's a really positive thing. There's a lot of ambitious targets being set. Now we need to work out how we get on actually pathways which are deliverable, yep. uh, and that again come down to working in partnership between landlords and occupiers. Thank you, James. Yes, we're definitely seeing a drive from, from enterprise customers towards this. Um, in fact, at a conference uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, PwC were very vocal about the, 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 their deadline of 2029 uh, to reach a point where they will only uh, engage with space, uh, where they're getting the environmental information they require to report to, you know, to their business uh, and to their board and to their ESG commitments. Uh, and similarly, they see that as a powerful recruitment mechanism because they will recruit uh, you know, graduates who are also committed to that cause. So from a technology platform perspective, you know, we're all about enabling that uh, and helping our customers, whether they be landlords or flex operators, to deliver that. Um, but it's also about going beyond just collecting data and making it useful and actionable and productive. So um, you know, we've also heard about enterprise customers wanting to you know, make space available to their staff that meet certain productivity criteria. Well, how do you define that? Well, it's all about measuring you know, temperature, light, heat, carbon, you know, uh, carbon dioxide, um, and, and, and then scoring a room and making those rooms available that score a certain uh, level. Um, and ensuring that their staff are productive and their staff can be guaranteed a good environment. And again, a good reason to come in to collaborate because you've got a good productive space. So I think it, it needs to come full circle. It's not just about the, the, the data. It's not just about hitting the deadline. It's also about getting more value from that. And that's about creating productive spaces. And would you say 
um, productivity. You've mentioned that word quite mm. quite a few times <laughs> now, and it was one. It was one of the three points I wrote wrote down. You, you were talking about productive mm. space, and is that yeah. is that a real motivation for um, occupiers to get people back in? For occupiers looking at different types of space, maybe for you know developers um, to create new space spaces. Is that uh, my question? I'm trying to ask is. Where's the motivation coming from, and 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 do you have you seen that change from pre-pandemic to post-pandemic? Well, I, I think we've gone beyond space for space's sake, uh, for people to come to and just sit in, to, to move to a place where it's measurable and has value, um, and and again motivates people to come to it for a reason, uh, and, and that's about being productive. I think we've definitely seen a shift between just the default option being to to lease an office and sit in it to, well, why do we need an office and where do we need an office and what type of office do we need um, and, and what's, what services and facilities and technology do we need to provide to our staff to allow them to be productive, which in turn makes us as a company more productive. Yeah. You know. yeah. Mark? Uh, I agree with Lauren. I think the, 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 the big factor, I think, is whilst we're always talking about how much flexibility people want to not have to come into the office so many days a week, people want to come into the office. There is a, there is a big driver from both sides, which is the the employer wants the employee to be productive however best that is served now two years ago you would have ask a lot of people is it productive to allow someone to work from home and they would say oh, you just can't do the job like they can in the office and that that argument to some extent has been absolutely blown out of the water by the fact that for the last two years everyone has been doing exactly that but at the same time there are certain elements of the job the collaborative approach where whereas, whereas teams is all is very very good and is much better than the alternative. Actually, there's nothing more productive than getting people in a room together and having the discussion face to face. Add to that the socialism of uh, the socialising of doing that. Add to that the fact that a lot of industries operating on the junior people who are coming into the office are actually learning from the more senior people. Um, there is still a all sorts of drivers as to why the people should be physically located in an office. And it may be that over time that becomes the balance again tips more towards that side than, than working from home um, uh, 50% or whatever it might be. Thank you. Matt. Yeah, I agree. I think productivity is the holy grail we're all trying to prove and, and be able to articulate and demonstrate. I think one really interesting nuance we saw, I think it was Microsoft earlier in the week, released something, they'd done a survey of their staff around the world, I think it was, it was 20 or 30,000 people, so a sizable sample, and their high-level conclusion was that productivity was fine working in a hybrid fashion, uh, and you're able to maintain productivity, but it was the innovation that suffered, uh, and that's what was driving their push to try and get people to adopt a hybrid and come back into the office to foster that innovation, so that was quite interesting seeing them kind of distill it between productivity and innovation. Yeah. Great, great point about juniors. I mean, you know, the, the, the horrible expressed water cooler moments, but the, 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 the things that you don't schedule time for on Teams and, and, and other conferencing systems are those moments where you walk across someone's desk or you have a drink with somebody or, or it's those ad hoc, you know, meetings that that's, you know, and where, where juniors can be mentored and, you know, and all our companies are built on, on, on succession and, and, and growth and, and, and career progression of, of those that join at, at the lower end. So, you know, it's really important that you know, it's not just a, a short term view, it's a long term view that actually we can't forget that, you know, those those people in the business evolve through collaboration and through socializing and, and you know, picking up those tips and 
uh, and learning in an office. Um, and yes, they can be productive at home, but innovation is one of those things that if you can't group around a whiteboard and brainstorm something, it's just not as effective on digitally. Absolutely. And, and much of the conversation that we're having here today at, at LREF is around resilience and making sure that London is a resilient city. And, and I assume that the, you know, the office a place to be, a place to innovate, a place to collaborate is, is fundamental to, to resilience. Am I assuming right, Mark? Yeah, I think uh, un unquestionably the office is the place, the, the, the headqu headquarters of, of the function of any business uh, who operates out of offices. It's all well and good operating out of your bedroom or wherever it is someone might be, but it, the, the underlying professionalism is created and engendered by having that office space that people can, can go to and collaborate and, and just have as a unity and as a place to base themselves. Um, and I think in terms of resilience, you only had to come into London during the height of the pandemic and see, you know, it, it was like a war zone more or less. It was very, very, very quiet, but there were still pockets of, of activity and still things carried on. And you walk around London today and whilst there's still this hybrid you know, maybe 50% of people coming back to the office, it, it's incredibly busy. So it, 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 clearly, it clearly adapts, it survives. And it's still, I go back to what I, the, the point I made at the start in terms of, a, of a, it being a transition period. I, nobody can make a big decision now because the resilience of the city may end up being actually, well, you've changed your office space to do something that now people don't want because we've become so resilient, we're actually now back in the office 90% of the time. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, I think London's in a brilliant position. I think, you know, there's, there's many reasons which we all know why we, why we love this city and so many people choose to be here. And I think it's interesting about drawing comparisons with elsewhere. So London, although its infrastructure um, may get on our nerves sometimes, it's very effective at bringing a huge number of people into a central hub location and thriving as such, whereas perhaps in the US and other places, the hub and spoke model could be more relevant because you don't have that infrastructure, which is just key to kind of getting people into a central place as efficiently as possible so I think for that reason as well London will continue to thrive and arguably if people are coming in you know fewer days a week then it could actually you know actually extend the reach of London because people might accept a, a longer commute and therefore the catchment and influence of London becomes greater mm. um, so yeah I think I think it's in a really robust position but we need to continue to evolve and not be complacent thank you James yeah, I think resilience is a great term because it's, it's often used, obviously, in, 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 for the technology context. It's all about continuity. It's all about robustness, the ability to deal with anything in front of you, you know, whatever happens. And so I think, yes, it's, it's about adapting to the new normal, but it's also about preparing us for the next time this happens. Um, so are we better prepared so that London doesn't become a war zone, that we can continue to operate, that we still can continue to collaborate and not have to be sort of in this binary mode of everyone's at home or we go back to in the office? So can, actually be, can we be more resilient to actually this, this scenario happening again? Um, and, and that's partly about adapting to the new normal and being more flexible and to being adapt to the market. But it's also about just, just, just putting the systems and, the, and, and, and those processes in place that were done very quickly during the, the, the last pandemic or you know, the recent pandemic. But um, you know, we can be better prepared for next time because you know, it's almost inevitable there'll be some similar event that comes our way. Yeah. And we, we've talked about how this, this moment in time is a transitionary period, um, but that there is going to be per permanent change. So I'd love to sort of round off this conversation to get an idea from from each of you of, of what, you know, your your view of what that 
what that permanent change looks like once we've learned everything we need to learn through this transitionary period as I think there is a, a huge amount we're learning about each other how we operate um how we like to to work how we like to live work and play I suppose um um and and you know what what good looks like post pandemic when we have um transitioned Mark I'm going to start with you on that um, one. well I suppose you can go back to whenever every, every again every industry is probably having internal discussions, having surveys, doing as to asking their their employees what does good look like? What would you what would you want to do? Be in the office n- never, be in the office five days a week. I think everyone is coming out with we would like just everyone to be flexible, and we would like you know, three, two, whatever it might be, a number of days a week in the office, a number of days a week being allowed to be at home, um, and I think that will be that will become the norm and will become the, 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 the normal situation for employers subject obviously to certain people are have to be in the office and therefore they'll be outliers. But I think the, the end result is inevitably going to be um, employers acknowledging that the productivity is, is equal or better by having people in the office, but as, as long as people are still coming in, uh, allowing them to be at home as well, to be flexible with their, their, their daily needs. And I think that will end up being the the position which is employers have to be flexible they have to have space that allows the flexibility and the collaborative work which is both face to face and somebody who happens to be working from home that day so i think technology will come into it nature of the change of the space meeting room will probably become more collaborative space in the sense of of almost futuristic where people are um, on screens and it's a mixture of people on screens and people on uh, in in person fantastic thank you Matt um yeah I think looking forward the, the places that are going to thrive and, and really kind of define it I think are going to be either places buildings or spaces that offer choice and enable choice and that's at a business level and a personal level uh, and I think that's going to be key because that's what people are going to want more autonomy and this isn't just in a work context this is a, over their own lifestyle their balance where they choose to be live work travel so I think it's those places that can really provide a compelling experience and enable that choice are the ones that are going to really thrive. Thank you very much. James, the final word. Yes, I'd agree. Flexibility and choice are the key words. Um, we've seen during pandemic and post-pandemic, big companies be very vocal about what their new policy is. Uh, it's going to change. Um, they're going to react to their staff. They're going to react to the environment. So no, there is no one answer for the future. It's all about being able to offer our customers flexibility, the ability to react to the market, react to their demands you know, that the market's putting on them, and, and react to the next possible pandemic. So flexibility, choice, uh, and the ability to you know, configure you know, an environment uh, and the guardrails and the policies for an enterprise customer that they can run their business how they feel they and their staff can be most productive, most innovative, whether that's a, a blend of in and out of the office. Um, but yeah, flexibility and choice. And at no point has anyone in this um, discussion talked about the office being dead, which is uh, very clearly not not the case. The office has a, a lot of a lot of life left in it yet, as long as we are flexible and, and give people choice and and uh, are agile and are serving all of the needs, which I think makes for quite an exciting real estate world. Thank you so much for joining us on this EG Property Podcast, Matt, James, and Mark. Thank you.